We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game betting odds on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. Aaron Rodgers looking for Devontae Adams. He's got it! DJ Moore has a pass to the end zone. Jonathan Taylor, touchdown. Hello and welcome back to Road of His Overtime and Road of His Radio, brought to you by Blue Wire. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland and joined, as always, by Sean Siegel, the co-host of the Road of His Overtime podcast, the co-host of Stadium Bananas. And it's uh, it's always great to, to talk to Sean multiple times a week here on the show and lots of great feedback, obviously, from the listeners enjoying Sean as well. As we get through the season, we are nine weeks into the season, Sean. It is flying by. We have one extra week, obviously, of regular season games this, this season, but we're starting to get into the real uh, business end of the fantasy football season. I know, I'm sure a lot of people over the last week or two will have noticed, you know, dynasty leagues, more trade offers starting to happen before certain leagues will have certain trade deadlines coming up here and teams will now be deciding they're heading for the playoffs. They're going to make that push or maybe they're trying to start that rebuild as the, the season progresses. But Sean, this was a, a week, I mentioned that last week was unusual because it was on Halloween. This week was also very unusual. I'm kind of in an area where some teams had way below 100 points. Some teams I checked there today, even one super flex team finishing with less than 70 points. So uh, some things were very unique this week. Then I had some teams that had great weeks and uh, we're going to talk about a few of the guys in a, a couple of minutes but I had one team in the FFPC with a uh, the dream running back lineup of James Conner and Carter L Patterson so that one worked out quite well so some high scoring teams that won quite convincingly some low scoring teams that lost quite decisively so was that the way your week played out? Well I don't know that I had any of the high scoring teams but <laughs> uh, but got some key wins which is always nice the team that Ben and I have, and if you've been listening to Ceiling Bananas, you know that we have a team uh, like Colm and I have a team that that is in first place. And uh, we won on the two final, I think the very final Cole Komet reception in ours. So 
Always nice when you end up on the, the right side of those last minute switches. It is. It is. Ben Roethlisberger's inability to like fall forward without like kneeling down first. So he doesn't get that first down. So instead of being able to run the last in a little bit off the clock and kick, they kicked those two last minute receptions to Cole Komet. Cole Komet looked good in this game. He's somebody that you know I've been pushing people to buy all season. His numbers obviously have not been impressive for reality, haven't been scoring any points in fantasy. But if you believe in Justin Fields, if you think this offense uh, really has nowhere to go but up, and you kind of look at the different pieces, Allen Robinson, I mean, you say he's done, and then obviously he'll, he'll come back and, and have a big 2022 and, and all of that. But he's tracking very much on the line of players who are done. And Darnell Mooney emerging, but not somebody who's going to carry an offense by himself, despite having made a very, very nice touchdown reception in the game last night. Cole Komet, just like Pat Fryermuth. I mean, those guys are young. They're athletic. They have a long way to go. I mean, they're not going to get you the points they got last night every week, right? I mean, Fryermuth came in, in big in one of our sort of quad-owned RV main events where we managed to Colin, this was, a, this was a crazy week. I mean, you mentioned the high scores. You mentioned the low scores. Very inconsistent across the board. A lot of the high-scoring teams completely shut down, which uh, led to a bizarre fantasy weekend. Some of the teams not completely shut down, like the Bengals managed to drop all of the key passes that would have allowed for you know, bigger days from them. So the good teams don't score. The medium teams don't score. Uh, points were all over the place. You really needed to have some guys in that Thursday night lineup. And uh, you had a team with I think six single digit scores in the starting lineup and four scores, four non QB scores above 13 on the bench. That kind of thing during the bye weeks doesn't happen that often. I mean, the, the start sit decisions are not usually that difficult or at least they're not that bad, but that team comes through and it was kind of funny because you know, looking at Sunday, you're like, well, this was the absolute perfect storm of both poor lineup decision and poor play from your guys. And then you're looking at our opponents only scored 88 points, which within the context of how the week went, as you mentioned, that perhaps not that surprising. And so the combination of Fields and Fryermuth on Monday Night Football easily ran us past that. I mean, it's nice to play a week where if you score 115, you've got a decent chance to win. Or it's not nice, but at least you win, right? I mean, we, we would love to see these weeks in the 160. But Colin, uh, because it was such a bizarre week, we do have a lot to talk about. I, I was trying to think back. I don't think I remember a week this crazy ever. Now, I'm sure there have been some. I don't know if that's just why you're going to say it, but I don't remember a week where so many like teams that you think will win lost. Like Obviously, the Packers lost, and it was kind of somewhat going to be expected. And as a somebody who is rooting for their team and how things are going to go, I was thinking, like, well, probably going to lose a game here on every team in the conference. And then the only team out of that kind of chasing pack that won was the Cardinals who Packers beat the week previously. So I'm sure that's where you're leaning, but yeah, it was a bizarre week. The upsets and the way they happened. I mean, absolutely crazy. And so in some ways your QB, Aaron Rodgers, I mean, he doesn't lose his state farm endorsement. He does see the number of commercials <laughs> funds, I guess. It's interesting that we have, we have people tracking that element of it, I uh, heard plenty of comments this week that, and you know, I've had some crazy hair in the past, so I, you know, this is casting aspersions in sort of a, a light-hearted manner. But people definitely are are skeptical. 
I mean, Colin, when it comes right down to it, someone as selfish as as Rodgers was in the offseason and with the complete disdain that he showed for his team all throughout, I mean, he was obviously not going to be making his decisions on these other things based on what was good for the team, right? So unrelated to everything else, we, we knew that if he had a choice here where he could kind of stick it to the Packers, he would probably decide to do that. He's going to come back now and win the Super Bowl, though, so... Yeah, I mean... Know. Exactly. And that, that makes the hero slash ultra villain story all the best. If you don't if you don't build up that narrative, if you don't really have the true evil, then you know when Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers come come through and win, then it doesn't it doesn't mean as much. You need to you need to have that so that when they play Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, it's this real good versus evil matchup, right? They had and that was the other part. We need that for the Super Bowl so we couldn't have the Rodgers Holmes game and week nine has you know they're just building it up for that extra layer of storytelling because well i was about to make a joke about you know people talk about the uh the nfl at times being <laughs> being somewhat fixed but if anyone watched monday night football <laughs> i don't know where what the thoughts will be on that uh, as a packers fan i actually felt quite bad for the bears and the way that played out but uh we'll save that for for another day but sean it was a big week obviously as well and my question leading out this show and the title of the show is going to be is zero rb working yet so i don't know if you've uh, done the deep dive but uh is 2021 going to be another year where zero rb comes out comes out on top well colin you know my answer there but i i mean zero rb works right and it's one of those situations where there are going to be multiple things that happen that get you into this point where players can come through, right? And a lot of people will focus on the injuries, but it's injuries in concert with great stories where a player who maybe was you know, on the, the downhill portion of his career bounces back and has that big season. I mean, you look at James Conner in 2018, right? And that's not a good story because Le'Veon Bell holds out. It's a great story because James Conner, you know, having recovered from cancer, having recovered from these obstacles, goes out there and has a massive season. Does it in the passing game? Does it in the running game? You know, and, and is this fantastic score and is good. And so, you know, if he ends up being the league winner here, and we hope that Chase Edmonds can come back and play as soon as possible. He's been a great story for the Cardinals. He's a big part of why they look like you know, pretty clearly the best team in football right now. And I mean, he could come back for the fantasy playoffs and actually be the big scorer there. Right now, it looks like James Conner will have a you know two, three month stretch where he could be a top five running back. I mean, you look at how situation based some of these things are. Last week on Ceiling Bananas, I claimed that Najee Harris is the number one back going forward, even though he lacks explosiveness. And then you watch a game last night and you're like, I mean, can he be? Because his playmaking ability, when you contrast it with guys like Nick Chubb, who, you know, in most cases has some other things working against him, maybe doesn't as much right now. Kareem Hunt is out. Jarvis Johnson, very, very good, but isn't going to take away touches in the way that, that Hunt would. You know, you look like, you look at a, Jonathan Taylor and I mean it's a pretty big contrast right we talk all the time about playing the talent but Connor you know probably not a Jonathan Taylor type of talent but the thing here that I think was really important was that not only does Edmonds go out which people will tend to focus on but the Connor played extremely well and that was somewhat up in the air I mean we're on Connor we have him on you know virtually every team it seems like and yet 
I mean, you have to be very upfront with the fact that there have been plays this season where he looked like he didn't have that much, right? I mean, the advanced stats suggest that he's breaking tackles. He's obviously been very good at converting down at the one yard line. And you watch players like a Jonathan Taylor and a Javante Williams, guys who just look freakishly athletic, uh, maybe not converting all those. Javante Williams has been a bizarre one because when he's out there between the 20s, I mean, he's the most unstoppable force in football, even though he doesn't touch the ball that much. And then, you know, you get him the ball inside the five. And I mean, the only real takeaway is that he's been unlucky, right? I mean, somebody who's that good otherwise doesn't some, simply become someone who can't get in. But Connor has demonstrated, I think, especially within the context of this offense, that he can convert some of those carries, whether it's luck, which obviously some of it is, and then the intangibles of being able to, and not really intangibles, but just the skill to be able to find the hole, get to the hole quickly, lean forward, all those types of things within the context of this offense that makes the defense look at multiple things down there by the goal line, even though they're going to run all the time, right? I mean, you got to make it look like you could do something else, even if it's a, a clear-cut running play. So he's doing some of these things, but also doesn't look like a star. In this game, he shows the receiving ability that we talked about in the preseason. He breaks a couple of long runs. I think that's important because now the next time he goes through a stretch where he has five carries for you know four yards, the team won't necessarily go away from him for the next two quarters and get Rondell Moore a ton of touches and that kind of thing because they'll remember this game where he created the highlights. So, you know, even though Edmonds may not be there, it, it really is very important that Connor himself played well if you want to get that league-winning workload as opposed to a handful of touches here, maybe a couple of receptions there, the occasional goal line carry. For him to be the star, he needs to do that, in part because, and, you know, we've been waiting for years to say this, Eno Benjamin looked like he had some real burst to him when he got in there in garbage time. Again, it's garbage time. It's a handful of plays. But, I mean, there will be other guys active on this team who will get some carries in the absence of Edmonds. Yeah, de definitely. And um, obviously, we didn't want an injury to happen to Edmonds to give those extra opportunities. We've talked about how Edmonds has looked so explosive. I've wondered at times watching Cardinals games if, you know, if James Conner is showing, you know, pretty much average NFL athleticism and just Chase Edmonds is so much more athletic. Um, but he did look really good this week. The 49ers have had a lot of issues with open field tackling that continued in this one. So that, that kind of helped him, but he's consistently shown a nose to get into the end zone. Our fear was that if he didn't get into the end zone, he wasn't really getting the passing down work at all. So obviously he's going to get some of that now moving forward and showed explosiveness in that area as well. So I think that's the big boost is, the high value touches he's going to get and getting those you know targets i think that was the biggest disappointment through the opening kind of eight weeks of the season was the lack of targets and receptions that he was he was getting he was getting though those tar or carries inside the 20 which was also a huge value but you're not going to be able to rely on them on a consistent basis but sean uh, he he really did look um good this past week hopefully that continues i got a number of uh, tweets on uh, sunday as that game was rolling on um in terms of how my standings in certain leagues were probably going there was quite a few jumps with that 40 point game this week in terms of some of the the overall standing so always good to see some of those calls start to work out after two weeks it was uh nervy with as many shares as i have of uh, connor heading into the season the thesis though sean you mentioned and you you read about it in your your monday piece in terms of the overall thought process and drafting him this off season was quite a bit of it based on how Kenyon Drake looked last year and how Chase Edmonds was using this offense last year. 
you mentioned in it that Drake finished second to Dalvin Cook with 20 attempts inside the three-yard line and finished uh, in a tie for second and converting those opportunities with eight touchdowns. So we have seen that element, but it was the second part then that we were hoping to see the the passing uh, option or the passing opportunities come his way. So based on what we thought in the offseason, again, we didn't want an injury to Edmonds to happen, but are we kind of in the absolute prime spot at the moment for James Conner moving forward? Um with with how things have worked out for him here i think so i mean one of the things this game also emphasized is this is a full team and even to that extent you know you can't be 100 percent sure because you look at the jaguars defeating the bills and you know you wouldn't make the case that oh the jaguars are like a deep complete team because they defeated a good team on sunday i mean you know that this is a hugely fluky game they probably played well they may not be as bad as we thought going in but, I mean, this could just be a game where the Cardinals, without Kyler Murray, without DeAndre Hopkins, beat a San Francisco team that is really struggling. But, I mean, the Cardinals look dominant in all phases, right? And so that kind of thing can only help a back like James Conner. And then, Colin, the other element of this, though, is that we consistently see players emerge in situations that are not the result of injuries. And that's a big thing that we also emphasize. I mean, you th- talk about Devontae Freeman being the star in 2015 and leading the way in, during the running back apocalypse, but also a guy who came out of more or less nowhere and leads the position, scores a lot of points. You, know, you think to this season and you think about some of these different guys, I mean, certainly Cordero Patterson was not the person that we expected. And yet, you know, I mentioned in the article in 2018 playing for the Patriots, he had a very nice season. It was surprising that it took nine years, five teams, and including when you consider, I mean, he's played for some of the best coaches in football. Yeah. For, for it to be now that he emerges as this is surprising. I mentioned, you know, he obviously struggled as a downfield threat as a wide receiver, which is one of the reasons why he washed out of that position. But, you know, I don't have a lot of Cordero Patterson. You do. I mean, you've done a fantastic job with that. We'll have to make you the new zero RB guru. I'll be honest, uh, I was thinking about this uh, earlier this week. When it got to the cutdown stages in those dynasty rosters, you know, in, in August, and Cardell Patterson, like, there, was, there wasn't much talk around him getting anywhere near that backfield, really. Um, there was a lot of decisions around, like, will I keep him here or will I cut bait, you know, when I was doing those roster cutdowns. So, but how did you have him on your team in the first place, Colin? Yeah, I, I'm really glad at this point that... Um, I didn't do that in Dynasty. There's a, I think I have him on, on three rosters where it was like he's the, the last guy there. So it's worked out uh, really well there, but it's working out in, in some of those season-long ones as well. So I, I think, Sean, this is one that could have easily went in the opposite direction and, and been a, a week three cut. So uh, I'll, I'll not take too much credit, I don't. Well, I mean, and you're obviously very humble in terms of the way that you approach all these things which which is nice i mean it's it's a lot of fun to to do these shows with you i'm i'm biased you know you're one of my great friends here in the in the fantasy (laughs) community but i i love working with you for a variety of reasons but on a lot of these situations where there's luck involved and there is and it makes sense to admit that at the same time there there's also a skill element involved where you know yeah it could have gone the other way but it, it didn't in part because when you put all of the different elements together, then the luck comes into play in a positive way because it's the accumulation of all these small edges 
And so when we talk about trying to do everything right, it's not a do everything right from the perspective of we can see the future or we're not going to make mistakes. But if you accumulate a lot of small edges by doing everything right that you can do, that you can control, then sometimes you get lucky like this. This game really came down to Patterson. I mean, the Falcons had done their Super Bowl thing. They had blown an 18-point lead in the fourth quarter. They had somehow allowed <laughs> a Saints team with Trevor Simeon and no receivers to score 19 fourth quarter points to take the lead. All the Saints had to do was to keep the Falcons players in front of them. They line up Patterson out at the very edge, out at the boundary. He goes vertical. The safety goes over Kyle Pitts. Matt Ryan makes a perfect pass. Matt Ryan is a good, I think, example of where, you know, you could go wrong with Allen Robinson thinking he's washed up. I mean, it's completely apples and oranges. Robinson's been bad for a long time. Matt Ryan will have two games every six games where he looks done. And that's a pretty high percentage of washed up games. But then he'll come back and play one like this where he played a good game overall. He throws an immaculate pass to Patterson down the sideline. You look at Patterson, you're trying to think, how could this guy have washed out as a wide receiver? Because he's got the size, he's got the speed, he makes the catch there. You know, He gains the 60-plus yards. He puts them in position to kick the game-winning field goal. That play keeps his scoring average right where it is. It keeps him as the number one player really in fantasy. I mean, there are some guys up there in competition with him, but the scoring at the price, I mean, you're not going to beat what Patterson is doing. So we have some of these types of of plays we have another week from Javante Williams where he looks absolutely stunning doesn't get in the end zone Melvin Gordon does Colin you didn't lose a lot more games because of Melvin Gordon this week did you I didn't fortunately um but actually the the game that we lost and it wouldn't have mattered anyway in the uh, main event uh, we did go up against Javante Williams this week so there is a theme of uh, of Denver Broncos running backs uh, causing me pain but uh, yeah, not as bad this week. Melvin Garden didn't uh, haunt me as much. I, I got that all out of my way uh, in week eight. But Sean, we will talk more about some of these uh, players that had interesting week nines. We'll do that just after the break. NFL football is finally back and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find NFL tickets anymore. Because TechPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. One of my bucket list items is certainly to head on over and see my Green Bay Packers over in Green Bay at Lambeau Field. I'm super excited to see how this season plays out for the Packers. Whether it's the Packers or any other team that you want to head and get in on the action this season and attend a game. Whether it's a home game for your favourite team or it's on the road, TickPick has you covered. Visit TickPick.com slash RotoViz to save 10% on your first order. So if you're thinking of going to a game this season, don't wait. Head on over, get those tickets. That is techpick.com slash rotoviz. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data 
and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Just circling back, Sean, to that play that you mentioned as well, um, that Patterson kind of that, that sealed that game for the, the Falcons at the very, very end. Um, the Saints actually, that's the second game they've lost this season to a running back split out wide. Um, the touchdown that uh, Saquon Barkley scored against them, the, the long touchdown was basically the exact same play as well. So, you know, so maybe something that the Falcons seen on tape to, to give them that opportunity. But yeah, Patterson has been tremendous. It is one of those, it's one of those real situations where I know each season you look at like, you know, fourth year, fifth year breakout options. Uh, we may have to stretch that out for the upcoming season uh, in 2022 to see if anyone fits the, the Cordero Patterson mold of r- true late career breakout. But it's been, it's been so much fun to, to watch him, not just because we have him on uh, rosters, but because the plays that he's making are, are, are quite spectacular as well. So really good stuff there. Uh, looking Sean at your, your Monday piece as well. So we've hit on Connor, we've hit on um, Patterson. Is there any other, players uh, that you want to you want to touch on specifically i know we will talk through a lot more when we get to the, the tuesday and Saturday, or the thursday and saturday show as well but any specific part that you wanted to highlight today well Colin, we we do have those upcoming shows we'll get into maybe a little bit of discussion of, of odell beckham it was exciting to see the browns play so well if you're a browns fan i'm sure curtis patrick who is a a big browns fan was just ecstatic to see how they played in this one. You get Donovan Peoples-Jones over the top. You get Nick Chubb looking like Jonathan Taylor or Jonathan Taylor sort of getting it in early in the week, but Jonathan Taylor looking like Nick Chubb, if you want to look at it from that perspective. The one thing to mention on the Taylor thing as well is uh, I believe you only had two targets on the, the week, a phenomenal game, like, but... I know I keep saying it. No, this is going to be a weekly call out again. Just keep giving him the ball. Um, that's what they just need to do. They need to give him more than two targets as well. But he he looks fantastic. But I think it's maybe a, a trope at this point where we say that Nick Chubb is probably the best pure running back in the NFL. But when he like, I don't I don't know. Out of all the running backs, when he breaks that hole, there is nobody catching him. 
I don't I don't care who the defensive back is that's trying to catch up with him. Uh once he once he gets beyond that kind of second level, nobody nobody is getting there. He's so fun to watch, but uh that touchdown this week was just like he's gone. He's there's nobody catching him. About Taylor that is. Chubb, I was talking about that one. My vision of Chubb is always that he's just like has the ball and he's just going and nobody's ever catching him. It's interesting because I, I just I don't think that I've seen a running back look like he was gone from the handoff in a decade like what we saw Thursday night from Taylor when he made that long run. I mean, he hits the hole and and you know, he's just on a different speed than everybody else. Right? And and again, I mean, this is what you get when you have a 225-pound back who ran in the 4-3s. You know, the college defenders are not at the NFL level, but it's but they're not awful. I mean, there's a reason why he did this every game in college. And I am, um, every time, I, I don't want to interrupt every time it's mentioned, but every time you say like somebody else is the best running back in fantasy or the best, maybe in fantasy, but like in, you know, dynasty, that like I, I'm not taking anybody over Jonathan Taylor. I know you've mentioned a few times to me, you know, when CMC's back, but like at this point, I'm taking nobody. The only problem I have is they need to give him more of the ball. <laughs> well, it's a little bit of a problem that, that Hines, looked so good in this one too yeah he looked good too in some ways it was probably after the fact it's always easy to say oh you know we should have seen this coming as soon as marlon mack is inactive then heinz is going to be right back out there and heinz has looked good and some of his opportunities this year he has like he's rushed in a few touchdowns as well like he has looked he has looked like we all kind of expect heinz to look which is pretty pretty good in terms of we talk about like the packers and how we like AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones and how it's a pretty good one two points or the the Browns as well with you know Chubb and Hunt but you know Jonathan Taylor and Heem Hines is a pretty pretty good one two combination it is the problem with Hines is just during the stretch when Mac was also being worked in he, he just didn't have the workload to be anything other than you know sort of a dream kind of back where you're you're hoping for such a specific sequence of events you know your your path to a legitimate fantasy week is so narrow i mean it's to the point where tony pollard's is now i mean uh, that was probably one of the most frustrating things of the weekend i mean it gets overshadowed by how many other kind of bizarre and interesting things happen but you know tony pollard to number one be bad he drops a key pass you know he's not creating the wow plays but he, he was also playing behind a clearly injured ezekiel elliott in this game and so you know, if you're not going to go out there in a game where your team is being blown out in a game where the starter is hurt and, you know, score some garbage points, then your path to fantasy scoring is is pretty minimal. So that's disappointing from Pollard's perspective because Pollard and Hines, they both look like guys who could have enough standalone value to at least be able to play them during the bye weeks, which we're in now. And right now that's not the case. But I mean, you look at Taylor, the things that you're talking about, it just it, it really is extraordinary and so you know I, my mind immediately went to him again when you're talking about chubb the thing with chubb that is so amazing is that i mean he kind of is wending his way through traffic at high speed and the thing with jonathan taylor right you had the situation where he hits the hole and there's not going to be an angle with nick chubb he hits the hole and then it's almost like the defensive backs are thinking through their minds like how can i take a bad angle so i don't have to go make contact with that guy because he looks ferocious. <laughs> and so, I mean, we obviously know the defensive backs are not taking bad angles on purpose, but Nick Chubb, you know, he consistently creates these plays. And one thing that will be in 
the zero RB piece this week, you know, when we talk about the zero RB piece, one of the things that we're really trying to do there is make sure that you understand kind of how backfields are developing. But, you know, Blair and I do talk about the highlight guys as well, the frontliners. It's really a full running back piece, obviously. And talk about some of the peripherals here. And I don't think it'll come as a surprise to anybody that Taylor and Chubb really stand out in terms of their overall profiles. You know, you get so much of this emphasis on yards after contact and broken tackles and people end up spending a lot of their draft capital they spend you know waiver dollars all of these types of things for backs who break tackles and then fall down guys who end up really being sort of dead zone types of players and those guys aren't always bad and there will be games where they score and there will be times when players like a david montgomery or a josh jacobs or you know, other players sort of in that mold will score you some points and do well. But the big thing that you're getting there is, uh, is an overpay. Whereas you look at Taylor, you look at Chubb, these guys get in the five to six yards per carry range because of immense numbers in yards after contact and also really impressive numbers in yards before. Colin, before we go, I, I did want to ask you a little bit more about this Packers Chiefs game obviously you're a huge Packers fan I'm a big Chiefs fan the Chiefs struggling but now especially with so many teams losing I think that they're tied in the win column with the rest of the AFC West and very much control their own destiny they their offense continues to look a little bit worse in some ways every week instead of trying to fix things I think it would make sense for them just to play and assume that those uh, turnovers will work their way out as opposed to really making Mahomes second guess everything. Ever since the big turnover game where he was obviously pressing, the subsequent weeks he's not looked like himself. He's looked like, you know, he's trying to decide every time if he should do something, which, I mean, that's not something that'll work at the NFL level. You have to instinctively know and just let the ball go and, and make those plays. And I think that they will again. This is something that they'll work through. And your Packers defense is very good. That was one of the reasons why they were able to beat the Arizona Cardinals last week, uh, even without Devontae Adams. They didn't have a lot of weapons last week. They still were able to win. This is a little bit different because they don't have the QB Packers fans, the GM, I think especially, uh, but, but hoping that Jordan Love would show that he could be the future. One of the tricky parts here that people talk about all the time, but it's still just, you know, from an emotional perspective, it's very difficult to buy into and believe that it really matters I mean, you have the COVID issue with Devontae Adams to where he hasn't gotten to practice very much with Jordan Love. So some of the misconnections there, you know, some of this is just that, you know, when you're a quarterback in your first big start, it's going to be difficult. I mean, we've seen now there is a difference between sitting for a year and not sitting for a year. And we do see guys like Patrick Mahomes come in and look like a star, you know, when they first get that opportunity. But we watched plenty of the, the rookie quarterbacks this season in terms of actually being out there on an NFL field that, you know, there's this obvious learning curve. There's a lot of pressure on Love in this situation, especially because there's so much controversy with Rodgers and you know his feelings about the situation. You've been brought in to, you know, be the third guy in line after two legends, and you know there's so there's so many things kind of working against you here. And then you haven't been able to practice with your key teammates. Then you go out and you know maybe because you know I wanted this to be a shootout. Uh, you've got the fantasy people. You've got the reality people. You want this to be a fun game, but the condition's also not great, right? You have a lot of wind in the stadium here. That's going to make some of these plays more difficult to execute as well. Packers missed some field goals. They have some other opportunities. You know, 
ends up being a game with just not a lot of scoring. The Chiefs are able to make the plays at the end. It's kind of funny because the Chiefs don't score in the second half, and yet the sort of signature play from this game is Mahomes making that incredible Mahomes-type play to Tyreek Hill to kill the game on the big third down at the end. And so Love, after getting the score, does not get the ball back, which from a Chiefs perspective is great from a sort of narrative, fun perspective for the NFL is a bummer because it would be great to see. I mean, anybody else for Chiefs fans wants to see Love have the ball at the end and see if he can be the architect of a last-second comeback. What were your thoughts on Love in this game? You know, we saw A.J. Dillon look pretty good. They do have some weapons. You know, can he be the guy? Were there positives to take away from this game for you? There's not. There wasn't. And like there, there may have been quite a positive person. There is obviously going to be positives. I think from the majority of people, there probably wasn't. Um, if you pick probably the like a, if you said where is the worst place to go and make your first NFL start, uh, probably in a packed, uh, you know, Arrowhead Stadium with you know patrick mahomes although there is struggles this year it's probably not the ideal situation of where to go the packers as well you know um in terms of the you mentioned some of the struggles you know um coming back off covid with Devontae adams you know what the narrative around rogers this week there's just so much going on this is a game that like even with rogers could potentially have been one that you may have been picking up at a loss in so all things considered, I think there was some issues with the the game plan, and I've seen some you know very interesting reviews this week on on how the the game plan kind of evolved as the game went along. Um, but the, if you're talking about positives, the positive isn't really going to be around love. But I think that overall he got better as the game went on. It would have been interesting to see him get the ball back there at the end. Watching this game from what I thought could happen before it to what happened during it. I think as a chief supporter, I'd probably be more worried as a whole. I think like we can take Aaron Rodgers back in and that instantly would make this team better. I think if Rodgers played in this game, obviously things may have worked differently for the Chiefs, but I think the Packers likely win that game. Um, the part I thought was interesting you touched on it there is the Packers defense has, after the shellacking they got in week one, has really rounded into something that I think could be quite special as the season goes on here. They're still missing Jair Alexander. Um, you know, Stokes, who is their uh, top pick this year, actually got injured in pre-game warm-up. So they're they're playing that defense that is looking really good with a number of backups in there. Um, and I think that could be interesting as the season goes along. So the positive is that hopefully Aaron Rodgers will be back this coming week to play against the Seahawks. You mentioned, like, you know, it's not going to be easy for anyone to follow up Brett Favre, then follow up Aaron Rodgers and, and try and repeat that. In all likelihood, that's probably not going to happen. You're looking for somebody who is a sustainable level NFL quarterback. The likelihood you get a future Hall of Famer is quite, quite slim. So I think tempering the expectations. And I also think that I know the, you know, the chaos around making that pick two years ago, but obviously having him in place then this week to go in and start. It didn't work out, but overall, you know, a close loss, you know, six-point loss to the Kansas City Chiefs narrowhead where you miss two field goals in the first half. You have a number of malpractices on special teams, including the, the muff punt. So all things considered from a Packers fan, it wasn't very exciting, but it, it could have been a lot worse would probably be my takeaway. And I think as well, just to add to love, I think, you know, again obviously you're not on twitter so that helps you do this but like people need to like take a breath on some of these things like you know i was seeing after like two or three plays that he was a bust 
after the game he's still a bust like this thing's going to play out like give it a couple of seasons he's going to be the starting quarterback for a number of seasons before things change if rogers moves on this offseason i think some people are just they want to hear themselves talk and there has to be a result very quickly like look back to brett Favre, started his career with the falcons was very bad got traded to the packers <laughs> and then goes on to have his career like these things don't happen instantly sometimes it takes time to develop so we just want to judge after after four quarters and that's probably not the best decision in the long run yeah i think if the reviews out of practice the last couple of years had been more enthusiastic that it would give you more room to kind of play your way into things as some of the the young quarterbacks are trying to do right now across the league and you mentioned the game planning you know there are some interesting things there it's just so tricky right when you're going up against the chiefs defense that's you know basically bad in every way but could have a good game and is also going to do things that are different i mean it, they blitzed them like at a over and over same rate. Yeah. yeah and just with so many rushers and yeah i mean you can say okay well a 15-year veteran is going to handle some of those things but any rookie quarterback coming in is going to not have the reps or not rookie i mean he's a second year player but a, a player making you know a, one of his very first starts you're not going to have the reps to handle those kinds of things so it's a very apples and oranges comparing to other types of things they have the two very good running backs and so you want to use them aj Dillon especially looked good in this game and yet one of the things we talk about with these young QBs or the inexperienced QBs is that when you do go run heavy, then the times that you're actually asking them to pass, especially early in the game, are on the high leverage third downs. And so I think as well, if they, you know, you line up at the line of scrimmage and if you call a run play, but they have, you know, seven players at the line of scrimmage and they're likely going to blitz six of them. Like there's not a huge amount the running back can do in that situation either. So like, I'm sure there was, probably some plays that ended up in passes in this game that were called as run plays but when you get to the line and you're like yeah this isn't going to work like you have to check to something else so there is going to be situations like that. it was like a lot of things that i think as well in his development there'll be a lot of things that he learned from that as well but he definitely looked shaky on those first two drives in particular but i think things got better then yeah, I, I just also w w think we need to emphasize that this team right now, the way it's set up, I, I think, you know, even as much as a week later will be different. Definitely a month later, we know some guys like Alan Lazard, we like, uh, you know, Randall Cobb has had some decent games, but it's mostly going to be somebody who will succeed because of Aaron Rodgers. He's not going to be elevating a young QB. And then you have the two guys, you have Devontae Adams as the star who hasn't gotten to practice with the QB. And then you have the other sort of field stretching big time athlete in Marquette Marquez Valdez Scantling, who has been out, you know, and we don't know, I mean, he hasn't gotten a chance to practice with him a lot. It, it wouldn't seem like, and, you know, also is just kind of coming back and needs to work his way into it. And so, you know, you say a month from now, maybe NVS is a real difference maker for the offense. You know, they don't have a tight end right now. You've got the running backs, but your weapons in the receiving game are very weak. When we talk all the time about how much it hurts the Chiefs to only have Tyreek Hill and only have Travis Kelsey, and you take those two guys away and you can stop them. Well, I mean, one of the things, and one of the things that we saw this past week, you know, with the Bills, you know, you, they just have Stephon Diggs. You take him away, and all of a sudden you have a bunch of two yard passes to Cole Beasley. So, I mean, all of these teams are dealing with some of these types of elements, but it's going to be very difficult for this young QB. So, I'm still optimistic. I'm like you, I'm a true believer on a wide variety of things. 
And I would like to see Love succeed because, you know, he gets such a, a rough go of it in so many ways. But we did get our Chiefs-Packers game. We'll have to hope for a better one column in the Super Bowl. <laughs> Yeah, we'll have to we'll have to hold uh, or cross our fingers for that to happen. But I, all joking aside, I think like the Packers lost, but I said at the start that every team around them kind of lost, and I I do think they're a team that is heading here for a really deep playoff run. Um, and that defense, I think, is going to be. I think it could finish the year as a top five defense, and that's something that they haven't really had at any point really with Aaron Rodgers. So if we get to a situation where we, you know. 30 points per game wins the problem with the Packers when it gets to those playoff runs is you know you need 40 points <laughs> to try and get the W uh, and that's where they've fallen down so I- I'm still quite excited I would have been more excited if Rodgers had played this past weekend but like I said playing in, uh, in Kansas City is is always going to be tough with the, the current layout there so uh, good stuff we uh, dived into our Super Bowl preview uh, there for the Packers versus the Chiefs but um, the other thing I just want to hit when we are talking here Sean we did talk quite a bit about Nick Chubb on this episode uh, news breaking uh, on social media over the last kind of 10 minutes or so that he has uh, tested positive for COVID-19. So he will be on the, the COVID-19 list. Uh, Demetric Felton as well on the list. So early in the week, as we record this on Tuesday, but probably unlikely that we see Chubb this week. So that might give uh, Johnson another big opportunity. So we'll see um, see how that plays out as we take our shows to you later in the week. We may have more news on that. We will be back on Thursday and, of course, Saturday as well. Um, and, of course, we have been doing the bonus shows as well. If you have been enjoying those and you have any questions, send them my way. We'll uh, record a few more of them over the, the coming weeks to get those posted up. But until we're back with another edition of the podcast, my name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. My co-host, as always, is Sean Siegel. Check out Sean's work up on rotavis.com, including a lot of the stuff we talked about today with Patterson and James Connor. And until we're back on Thursday, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotavis Radio. Please rate and review the Rotavis Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotavisradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotavis Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotavis with a discount through the Rotavis Radio homepage, rotavis.com forward slash podcast.